Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. And I must say, it seems like this time of terror, instead of hearing about isolated events once in a while, or it's like every day there's something new. I mean, there was always a, there were always things that were new, but um, uh, we didn't. They weren't always major things. Now it's like we hear about something relatively major, and of course, we're still hearing about Omar Mateen as well. We should the terrorist who shot up the Pulse nightclub and killed 49 people and injured many more. Today I'm going to be talking about how this all boils down to, well, the seeds of this tragedy boil down to Omar Mateen having been sexually abused by the age of eight. Now, I know you haven't heard about that unless you've been following my Twitter feed or um, but I, I said this a while ago and, um, and then after I said it, um, a, the, a letter came out or a report came out by Omar Mateen's third grade teacher, which I believe has the clues to exactly what I said. Now you're probably wondering what does sexual abuse, even if he was sexually abused, what does this have to do with terrorism? Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about with you today. Now, um, I just want to, first of all, make the, the overarching point that there have been a number of things, uh, explanations, hypotheses as to what was going on in Omar's mind, including my own. Um, uh, as far as, you know, when he um, attacked the nightclub, there has been, um, there have been stories, you know, people, of course, are coming more and more out of the woodwork to talk about their relationships with him. And so there's the thought that perhaps this was um, rejection, you know, rejection by gay lovers uh, that made him target a gay club. Um, Perhaps there's his someone who finally, finally, someone who at least says that he, a man who says he had sex with Omar. Um, I've been asking for someone to come out and say that they've had sex with Omar. And finally, a man did. And he is saying not, well, I'm going to get into what he's, his whole story. But one of the things that he talks about is how he believes it's a rejection um, to, to Hispanic or he says specifically Puerto Rican men, uh, because one lover who Omar had um, reportedly gave him HIV. So we'll talk more about that. But my point is that it is not or. It is not was he gay? Was it revenge for rejection? Was it revenge for getting HIV? Was it um, that he was sexually abused as a little boy? It's not either or as far as these uh, traumas or terrorism, it's the fact that early traumas and even adult traumas, but particularly early childhood traumas, um, cause a psychological vulnerability that makes the person grow up and be more vulnerable to radicalization. That's the point. Because when kids are sexually abused or uh, neglected or abused in other ways, they become sad, they feel lost, and most of all, 
they are filled with rage. And that's the key. Omar was filled with rage. And ultimately, he found as he grew up and he learned about, uh, you know, of course, he grew up in a Muslim family. His father was fanatical. Um, and as he grew up and he was exposed to his father and he was exposed to, um, well, particularly the Internet um, and uh, ra radical Islamic terrorists, um, he, he found an outlet for his rage. Um, and, and so it's not that, you know, people are arguing, oh, well, was it that he was gay and he was rejected by gays or, you know, as I said, HIV or whatever, not terrorism. It's not about not terrorism. It's that these things, um, particularly his early childhood abuses I'm going to get into, started the fire that then got fanned by, um, by the radical ideas that he discovered throughout his life. And it gave him more of a purpose to say, I mean, why do you think he wrote on Facebook about um, ISIS and terrorism and how he's, you know, this is why he's carrying out this attack. What? He's going to say, I'm carrying out this attack because I'm gay or I'm carrying out this attack because I was rejected by Puerto Rican lovers or I'm carrying out this attack because one of my gay lovers gave me HIV. Really? You think he's going to say that? That's going to be incredibly, first of all, humiliating, you know, because he, that was the, he was having this struggle with um, being known. Um, I mean, other than the fact that he went on gay apps and he went into Pulse and other gay clubs, but in a general sense, he was, he was um, embarrassed, ashamed about, he didn't want, you know, he certainly didn't want the people in his mosque to know that he was gay or struggling with his sexual identity. So he's not going to leave, he's not going to call 911 and say, help, I'm struggling with my sexual identity and that's why I'm going to shoot up this whole place. No, it gives him more importance. It makes him a martyr. It sends him up to heaven with the chance of 72 virgins. If he says he's doing this for ISIS or he's doing it for the terrorist cause, he's doing this so that the U.S. won't continue to bomb the Middle East. All of that. You know, he's not going to all of a sudden <laughs> out himself to 911. So this is the point. Now let me go back to the beginning. Um, that's what psychiatrists do. <laughs> they look at things chronologically to understand, um, to, to understand, I mean, that's what you have to do, to understand what makes a person, what, what makes a person tick. Because each, the, it's the earliest experiences that are, first of all, the most important. And second of all, it's the subsequent experiences that are on top of these early experiences that continue to form the personality and ultimately the behavior of an adult. So, um, and, and, the, and the point of all of this, besides trying to uh, correct this um, misunderstanding or miscommunication that the, much of the media is trying to bring about, you know, is it this or is it that, um, you know, versus terrorism? It's not either or, as I was saying, it's all of the above. So what do you, why should you care? I mean, first of all, you should care to, because the point is to understand terrorism a lot better so that we can um, function better in our day-to-day -day lives and not be under our covers hiding. Um, but also, you know, even though um, people in America and people in the West 
can't do much about how parents treat their children in the Middle East, or for that matter, how Middle Eastern uh, parents in the States treat their children, like Omar's, uh, as far as, you know, abuse and neglect. But we can make sure that as parents, um, we don't abuse or neglect our children. We're, we, if we're good parents, um, then we don't raise children who are lost, angry, uh, and vulnerable to radicalization. So getting back to Omar's sexual abuse before the age of eight. Okay. Um, first of all, I mean, one key was since there was or from early on and since actually, quite frankly, to be honest, as I think I've said in a previous podcast, as soon as I saw Omar's, um, uh, selfie, that first selfie that came out, or at least the first one that I saw, um, and there was this question, you know, it put in my mind a question of his, um, sexuality. So the, it is important to understand that when a little boy is sexually abused by a man, that is often at the root. I mean, besides all the other things, you know, the hormones in, in pregnancy and, and the family constellation and, and, you know, the family dynamics and so on um, that contribute to someone ultimately following a gay um lifestyle becoming being attracted to the same sex um when a, a little boy is sexually abused by a man it will often have the impact of making them subsequently attracted to men why does this happen because it's their first sexual experience and when someone has a sexual ex a first sexual experience they associate these feelings of sexual excitement and um, orgasm with the person who they've had this first sexual experience with. So if a little boy has their first sexual experience with a man, they associate feeling sexually excited and orgasm with men. And it causes them to later on be attracted to uh, men. And um, oftentimes it isn't always that these little boys who were sexually abused as children, it isn't always that they necessarily uh, act out on their attraction to men. Some of these people go on to marry and fight their attraction to men, but that always leaves a seed inside of them. So um, a psychological seed. <laughs> Um, so what do we, what, what do I, what else do I base this on? Well, after I already said that, that I thought that he was sexually abused, probably by the way, by his father, the most likely culprit in this, I mean, typically the most likely culprit, uh, is often one's father. Um, but, but I also say it uh, in this case, because, um, Omar's father is quite a, you know, he's a psychological study in himself. Um, he, first of all, he's still denying that Omar is gay. And um, it's, you know, why is that? Um, one, because he has said in his YouTubes that um, gays should be punished by God, you know, according to his religion. That's what he believes, apparently. Um, 
I mean, strongly believes. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hypocritical if, in fact, he was the one who sexually abused his son. Um, but also, um, you know, is he saying that because he's ashamed? He doesn't want, he's in denial or he does know that, that Omar was gay, but he is ashamed of it and he doesn't want us to know. And again, is it because he feels guilty perhaps, or, or maybe not guilty, but wants to keep the secret that he's the one who sexually abused Omar when he was a little boy. So, okay, we have in third grade, a report by Omar's teacher, Miss Omar's teacher Stein, um, Mr. or Mrs. Stein. And she, I, I'm going to say the she, you know, chances are an, an elementary school teacher. I'm going to say she. So please excuse me, Mr. Stein, if you're a he. But anyhow, this teacher um, was very perceptive and foretold um, the, the attack in, by third grade, okay? Um, she, the teacher wrote in, as part of the report, his third grade report, she wrote, difficulty listening, concentrating during instruction. He seems to not hear what is being uh, said unless one-on-one -on -one. he grabs at manipulative inappropriately impulsive um very active antsy constantly moving verbally abusive rude aggressive and here we go much talk about violence and sex third grade uh, parentheses, obscenities, close parentheses. And here we go again. Hands all over the place on other children. Duh. <laughs> In his mouth. Duh. You know, could that, um, I mean, not all children who put their hands on other children or put their hands in their mouth. I know what you're thinking. My child, <laughs> you're thinking your child, um, you know, puts his hands in his mouth that are on other children or, or whatever. And he wasn't abused or you're worried he's abused. But it's, it's the whole thing together. It's not just that. These are like should have been red flags. Now, that isn't to say that Omar's parents were likely to bring him to a psychologist or a psychiatrist after getting this report card. Um, because especially if, he, if they knew that he was being sexually abused, uh, but also it just, that's not, you know, that wouldn't be typical of um, their beliefs to think that he should be seen by a psychiatrist or psychologist or, you know, seen for this. And apparently he wasn't, at least by third grade. Um, then she writes, um, along with Jimmy, Monday, November 28th, while singing the school song, sang marijuana, marijuana, instead of mariposa, mariposa. Um, works much more focused individually or an individual instruction, small group, uh, does not follow the procedures as if didn't hear. What that says is that he was in a world of his own. He was most likely, you know, very disturbed at that point, um, distracted by what was going on at home. So look at that. Much talk about violence and sex, hands all over the place, on other children, in his mouth. 
okay, what is that? You know, those are really red flags that this child is having problems at home at the very least. And very typically, very typical of sex being a child who's being sexually abused. So, <laughs> um, so there we go. There we go. The third grade teacher was, you know, if, if he had gotten help in third grade, um, this wouldn't have happened is the point. So let's look at um, bringing, you know, going forward, um, let's look at this new news just just happened. Uh, a man, there's a, a story, a man who says he was Omar Mateen's gay lover speaks out. He did an interview, a television interview. He's been doing a number of interviews. And he also spoke to the FBI. That's nice. Uh, not that, uh, I mean, there are more and more people coming out who are speaking to the FBI now, which is great, but who said they did speak to the FBI before. There was a man just recently who, who has come out and said that he contacted the FBI because he was concerned about Omar potentially being violent. So, you know, um, how many people does it take to call the FBI before the FBI puts, them, puts the person they're calling about on their watch list? Obviously, too many. So let's hear about this uh, man, what this man has to say, who is uh, speaking out, saying that um, he was Omar's gay lover. This is really very interesting. Now, of course, you know, as I have um, said, we, we do need to make sure, I mean, I, before this I said, we need to make sure that anybody coming out and saying that they were um, Mateen's gay lover, we need to be careful um, that they are not just saying this to get media attention. But this man really, um, I mean, you know, he has to be investigated still more, but, um, but what the man has been saying so far is that he met Mateen on the gay dating app called Grindr. Um, he said that, uh, that they, he described Mateen as gay, and he described their relationship as friends with benefits. Now, what's really interesting, he said, um, the sexual relationship lasted about two months, and they met at a, at a hotel in Orlando between 15 and 20 times. So think about that. That's more than every fourth night. <laughs> he was a... He was a um, um, frisky little guy, <laughs> or um, a teen. Um, but I don't know, you know, he doesn't say why it only lasted two months. Um, although, well, I'll, I'll, although one might suspect that it was when Mateen finally told him, or it's not clear how he found out, but that, that Mateen um, may be HIV positive. It, it, in any case, his idea, this man who is calling himself Miguel, for to hide his identification. He said that Mateen intentionally targeted Latinos in retribution for feeling rejected by Puerto Ricans. And he's saying, I believe this is not terrorism. Well, I mean, you know, that goes back to my main point here, that it's just because someone is gay or rejected or has HIV or whatever, it doesn't mean that it's not terrorism. It means that they're more vulnerable to being um, radicalized. So um, he said, that um, 
that Mateen was acting on revenge after being with a Puerto Rican man whom he later learned was HIV positive. Quote, he hate gay Puerto Ricans for all the stuff he did to him. I believe this crazy, horrible thing he did was for revenge. This man also said that Miguel, that Mateen's wife knew he was gay and that his father forced him into an arranged marriage. Now that's kind of interesting because clearly that would mean, that could mean that his father knew quite well that he was gay. Um, he said he was looking to be embraced. He was looking for love. Another, another, uh, in another place, it talks about. Uh, he talked about how um, Omar Mateen was looking to be cuddled. Um, he was looking for love, just like everybody, you know. But the problem is that because he was abused as a child, um, that started the rage that ultimately got acted, found its root, its expression in terrorism. Um, then there's this, this retired pharmacist who came out and said, uh, Jim Van Horn, he admitted his, he, he apparently used his real name. He's a retired pharmacist. He said he met Mateen once um, and that uh, Mateen talked about his ex-wife. But this man, uh, Jim Van Horn, his friends soon, quote, told me they didn't want me talking to him because they thought he was a strange person. And there have been people who were regulars um, at Pulse and who have said that um, Omar was at best strange and at worst a little scary. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of these people who were at Pulse said uh, sometimes he would go over in the corner and sit and drink by himself and other times he would get so drunk he was loud and belligerent. Um, his father said, I did, in terms of uh, when he was asked whether his son was gay, he said, to me, that is wrong. I didn't see any of it, and I don't believe that was the case. So, um, so we still get back to this, uh, to, to the bottom line here of what, why this is important and what it means, how it means that childhood is the key to preventing radicalization from your children by your children later on. Now, um, here we, this is the Ask the Terrorist Therapist part of the show where I answer your emails and questions. And there's an email um, from Allison who says, uh, my son was sexually abused by a male neighbor. What should I look out for? Is he going to become a terrorist? Well, Allison, um, what you should look out for is um, signs like um, fear. You know, when while he's still a child, um, you know the the um, abuser instills fear in the child uh, because there's you know fear of of telling. Helplessness, guilt and shame, uh, making the child feel responsible for keeping the family together, isolation, betrayal, anger, sadness. Um, these are all things that you could be seeing in your child now, feelings that you could be seeing. Later on, the child could start abuse because the child is still in so much turmoil. He could start using alcohol or drugs or become suicidal um, and so on. And... <laughs> Key to our discussion here today is that um, he can um, become so sad, angry, lost that it makes him vulnerable 
to following the teachings of radical Islamic terrorists and can ultimately become what Omar Mateen became, a, a terrorist who created a tragic attack with a tragic loss of life. So again, we can't really, um, we can't do much about, at this point anyway, we can't do much about what people are, terrorist parents are teaching their children um, and how they're abusing or neglecting their children, but we can do everything about how we treat our own children to make sure that they grow up feeling loved and happy, not lost, depressed, or enraged so that they're vulnerable to terrorist ideology. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist, and you've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show.